and thank you for joining us here on The Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my partner in crime, my esteemed colleague, the one and only, my everything, at Eric Delala. Phil, great to be with you. We're, uh, we're on the road here. Yeah, they let me out of the office for a little bit this time. That's nice. They must have been confused. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I tricked them. I tricked them. <laughs> you escaped. Well, we're uh, here at the Arizona Billmore. It's uh, 75 degrees, maybe. It's nice and tropical. It's pretty nice. Did you remember how to like get on an airplane? And I didn't know that? how to pack. Yeah, yeah my wife had to help me it's, pack. It's been a she while. Told me, she told me how uh, TSA stuff works. How this and goes. Everything. Yeah, so... Um, I figured it out, though. Can I take your shoes off these days? Uh, no, not if you have pre-check. That's true. Yeah. You got to have pre-check now. That's the way to do it. Don't mess around with the regular security line. But, uh, yeah, we're here. Uh, the NFL annual meeting just wrapped up. Uh, some interesting little things coming out of uh, this week. But for the Broncos, we really heard from everybody. You know, uh, uh, they did a great job making everybody available for us. Uh, Eric, we heard from head coach Sean Payton, general manager George Payton, President Damani Leach. Uh, and then uh, at the end of the meeting, we heard from uh, owner and CEO Greg Penner. And we also uh, caught up with uh, owner Kerry Walton Penner. Yeah, so uh, really everybody who's at the top of this organization spoke with us this week. Uh, great to hear from them. And something that stands out to me, Phil, is that in previous years here, and maybe even particularly still with other organizations, you kind of get different messaging from the coach and then the GM and then the, the president and ownership. It was remarkable to me how on the same page everybody was, just in terms of what the goals are this season, what the expectations are this season, um, you know, the, the level of excitement uh, and, and kind of cautious optimism. I mean, I think it was all uh, very much the same across the board. And I think that shows that they're in lockstep. And, you know, Phil and Sean Payton took this job. He said that triangle, right, between the GM, head coach, and ownership was so important. I kind of put, you know, Damani and, and the, the business side in that mm -hmm. ownership kind of group. It's clear the Broncos are uh, in a good spot there. That, that was a big takeaway from this week. Yeah, most definitely. Everybody's aligned. I understand what the expectations are. They understand the work that's about to go into uh, everything here with the offseason programming uh, program beginning in uh, just a couple of weeks here for the Broncos. So, uh, yeah, really good positive energy, uh, messaging uh, synergy. Synergy, synergy, I think, is the word I was trying to Menergy get to. is kind of interesting, though. Which one? I think you said menergy. Yeah, I, can't, I know how to talk. I know how to talk there. Uh, so we want to talk about some of the things we learned on the football side. Yep. We'll talk a little bit about what we learned on the business side. Okay. Some stuff with the stadium renovations, uh, what happened with that market research survey. Mm. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit. And then we'll also hear from NBC Sports' Peter King. Yeah, some really great stuff from Peter, I think, that people will, will be really interested to hear. For the first time in a long time, we went out and we were like, let's go ahead and do an interview. Let's go out there and see what's going on. What's happening in the world. Yeah. So uh, uh, we heard from Peter King. So how's that for a nice little episode? That was a good tease. Uh, I don't think we have time for YouTube comments. No, week. Phil. Uh, the comments, they were great. We got a nice voicemail. Maybe we'll play that next, next week, week about Ben uh, Swanson and kind of where he belongs. Yeah. What happened to Ben Swanson? No, no, no. This is four consecutive podcasts, I think. They would never let him in an area like this. No. <laughs> 
Security no. would be here. No, like, he tried to show up. He uh, had his easel, but he got stopped at TSA. They said, so you can't bring this many <laughs> yeah. watercolors on a flight. Yeah. The oils, I heard, was another yeah, problem. Exactly. You know, it's just you got to have less than three ounces of liquid. <laughs> yeah. That counts for like, paint, what? too. Yeah. He was like, how am I supposed to do that? Yeah. So he was a little frustrated. Phil. He was frustrated. Um, Plus, uh, the people around here, they appreciate their privacy. Yeah, that's right. You they know, don't want to be getting painted up in their face. Yeah, you can't be getting painted all the time. So, <laughs> that's right. So, yeah. But we will return to uh, the YouTube comments next week. Yeah, Phil, it's a great way to get involved with the show. Yeah. Maybe on this episode, you leave a comment on YouTube, but lots of other ways, of course, to get involved. Yeah, how do you do it? You could leave an email at neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. You could leave a voicemail at 707neutral. We mentioned we've got one. We'll probably play it next week. Yeah, it's, we'll play it's it a next good week. one. It's a good one. Um, or Phil, you could tweet at us directly on Twitter. At Eric Delala with an A. At Phil Milani with a PH. Let us know how much you dislike the show. Non-traditional spellings. Yeah, non-traditional spellings. Though I uh, feel I did a little a radio deal. I'm sorry. Oh, you hopped on for a I little bit. I hopped on with uh, Brandon Cristal. Oh, yeah. yeah 850 KOA. Broncos Country Tonight. Broncos Country and Tonight. he uh, said follow Eric Delala on Twitter. He said traditional spelling if you spell your name with an A. That's how he said it? Yeah. I thought that was. Uh, you like that? It was a little. Uh, it was a little twist. So, the, do you think that means he listens to the show? He knows that we say not. He didn't know the name of the podcast, so I don't think so. He must be the only one. Yeah. Wow. Based on the numbers, we did do some spreading of the show down here. We told we did, everybody we, we about did. the neutral zone. The neutral zone. The neutral zone. So, so yeah, Phil, those are the ways you can uh, get in touch. Please with get the in show. touch with us. Let us know. We've got uh, sort of some uh, more casual more wear casual today. Here. You know, we're at the resort. We've been wearing suits all week. Resort wear now. Nice little sport coat. Yeah. Today, of course. Cash. Resort yeah. cash. And uh, you forgot your sunglasses. I like to. I like people to be able to look me in the eye. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have sunglasses right. on either. Not right now because I thought maybe, maybe it would be bad. Maybe halfway through the show. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, well, let's get into it, Eric. Uh, our first topic here, talking about the things we learned on the football side. Uh, heard from Sean Payton at the AFC Coaches Breakfast earlier this week. And uh, one thing I think that he made clear was last year was terrible. <laughs> And he sent a message, I think, not only to the media, but to uh, Broncos players that maybe are on social media listening to some of these comments. The message is clear. The things are about to change, and it's going to start with some hard work. Yeah, I think we talk a lot about the off-season program in terms of OTAs and mini camp and training camp. When are these guys going to be on the field? And when do we get to see Russell Wilson throw some touchdowns? When do we get to see Pat Sertan do some interceptions? That's looking too far ahead. If you talk to Sean Payton, he made it really clear that this first month of the offseason program, uh, they're just going to lift and they're going to run and they're going to lift and they're going to run. And then when they're done with that, they'll do some more lifting and some more running. That's going to affect your time in the weight room. Huh? Yeah, I mean, gosh, it sounds like a there. busy schedule. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I like it. I mean, I like going back to the basics. And I think that an organization is always in different spots when they hire a coach. Right. And I think. This Broncos franchise was in a different place this winter than it was last year when they wanted an energetic, young, uh, offensive mind. Um, this year they needed, a, quite frankly, just a reset to get back to the basics, to get back to having a good culture. Um, and everything that Sean Payton said in his press conference, his immediate availability, was about, in my mind, getting back to the basics, doing those fundamentals properly, not looking ahead uh, learning habits that make you 
a winner. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Phil, he made it very clear. He said it was hard to watch the film from last year. Yeah. He was not a fan of what went on. Everything from, he said they didn't do one-on-ones, they didn't do nine-on-sevens. He said, I'm not really, that's not how I've ever run things. He said, uh, you know, we're playing tackle football, so we got to practice tackle football. Yeah. I mean, everything is about the the little details. And when he got here, that's what he said he was going to do. And I don't think anything he said Monday uh, showed anything different. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the thing that stood out was that uh, he was sending a message, I think, Eric, just because he didn't hold back on any punches. You know, he could have just said, hey, we're moving on. I'm not looking at last year. Or, Which is what hey, we're not, said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The past is the past. Uh, we're not we're not looking we're not back doing there. That. But he, he made it a point to be like, hey, the kicking game was not good enough. Uh, he was asked about Broncos tight end Greg Dulcich, and he said that it was hard to evaluate uh, because, like, I looked at the tape and it was just so hard to watch. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think he was singling out Dulcich, but he was just sort of saying, hey, I tried to look at a lot of stuff from last year, and it was, like, just quite frankly, it was hard to watch. I, I think what he meant by that was everything was so messed up for lack yeah. of a better word that you couldn't get a real good evaluation yeah, exactly. of, hey is Greg Dulcich uh, what is he capable of doing or what is yeah. Jerry Judy capable of doing or what is uh, couldn't L- tell Lloyd Cushenberry <laughs> like you can't tell because there were so many issues yeah um, and it's interesting because when you're in it obviously Nathaniel Hackett and and the coaching staff talked about small changes and hey we're close we're getting on track this is going to click to hear Sean Payton talk about it different does not sound like that's his evaluation of the situation and then he was asked uh like you mentioned there eric uh hey will uh will the starters play in the preseason he was like play and what do you mean in the pre in the pre yes they're playing in the preseason what do you mean like uh, the idea of not playing in the preseason was uh crazy so the broncos are going to get back to football i mean uh let's face it last year's training camp was uh how do you want to say it was not very difficult on the players, you know, it was not uh, a was, strenuous like one of those. Um, it was a new you, age sort of yeah, idea approach to it that, that did not work. It didn't work out. But I will say uh, Nathaniel Hackett took that from some places that have had a of lot course. of success with that. So what I yeah, I think that that's what we talk about when like, what does a team need? Exactly. The that's Rams what, who have had a lot of success or the Packers or the, they don't need or the to. 49ers who don't play a ton of guys, you know. It works there because you've got a culture that's already developed. Yeah. And I think the issue with the Broncos is that you were trying to build this on kind of like a foundation of, of sand almost. Like the the necessary foundation wasn't there. And now yeah. you get to a point this year where you've just got to you've got to tear everything down and you've got to rebuild it from, back the, up. from the very bottom. Yeah. And uh, that's what Sean Payton's trying to do. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that he he was definitely setting the tone with uh, some of his comments there. Um, Eric, he was also asked about the Broncos' moves and free agency. Uh, they got a lot bigger, more physical, stronger up front uh, on both sides of the ball. Uh, he made that a point, and then he also talked a little bit about Jared Stidham, the Broncos' backup quarterback. Said that that he was a priority for the Broncos. Uh, they went out in free agency and really targeted him. Yeah, you know, let's start with the the free agents in general because I think what was interesting is, and he's going to let things play out on the field, but guys were acquired with a role in mind. This mm-hmm. was not just, hey, let's go out and let's just get this guy. He looks like he's good, or let's go get this guy. 
Sean Payton has a clear understanding of what he wants this team to look like, what he needs. Uh, Traymond Smith's a really good example. So a backup cornerback that the Broncos signed kind of a couple days into free agency. Sean Payton was like, I can see him playing about 24 snaps a game. Yeah, that's like a pretty exactly. spe- that's a pretty specific number <laughs> yeah. for a guy. And so he knows, yeah. hey, he's going to contribute on special teams. He can be a, a backup corner. He, he can do these things really well. And I think when you talk about all the New Orleans guys that are joining this roster, I think it's like five or six at this yeah. point. Um, Sean was asked, hey, is this about culture? And he said, it's not really about culture. It's just it's an easy signing because I know what these guys are. I know. I know exactly. Yeah. You know, he didn't talk about them kind of one by one, but he knows what Marquez Callaway is. Yeah. You know, he knows. Uh, I think Michael Barton was there right for a year. Um, yep. You know, so these guys, he knows what they bring to the table. And so you're kind of putting listen, they overhauled this roster a decent yeah. amount. If you consider that. Well, I think they've made 14 free agent signings officially. They went out and spent. If you, uh, let's say maybe one guy, like for whatever reason, doesn't make the team, you're talking about 20% of your roster here that was your 53-man roster that was just completely transformed in the, yeah. in the span of a week. Yeah, they and did I, it fast. And so I think you can see that he has an idea of what he wants this roster to look like. Um, he talked about culture, about winning. That was getting McGlinchey. That was getting Powers. That was getting Zach Allen. Um, hardworking guys, tough. Kind of the things that we we guessed when they signed these guys. Of, yeah. Hey, what were they trying to do here? He confirmed. Yeah, we're trying to get tougher. We're trying to get more physical. We're trying to to have a, a strong you know identity. He said Samaj P. Ryan was built to last. Yeah, Samaj P. Ryan. <laughs> uh, just a, another guy I like that he that. loves. Yeah, built and, to last. So those that all stood out to me just in terms of the overall philosophy, and that was echoed by by George Payton when he spoke. Um, and they only have five draft picks, right? So, you have so they to knew be, they were going to go out and do, and be aggressive. Yeah, and Greg Penner uh, mentioned later in the week, "Hey, this is not an every year type of deal. Yeah, you know, you want to build through the draft." But they knew. George Payton said when we traded for Russ initially, we knew at some point this is what we're going to have to do, and they did it. Um, in terms of the Stidham, Phil. I know you're uh, you're intrigued by this. Uh, I just think uh, um, he is a player that uh, has potential. Has not ascending. played a lot of football, ascending, and uh, they saw enough on tape from him last year in those two games. Played against the Chiefs. Played against the 49ers. Um, two really good football teams. Eric, he played pretty well in those games enough to convince the Broncos that. Hey, let's go out and get this guy. Uh, Sean Payton said that it was a priority. Uh, talked a lot about him, really, uh, for just a backup quarterback. You know, maybe you you would have thought uh, it's not that big of a deal, but they they spent some time talking about him this week, and that was just interesting to me. I thought that that was a um, a move that, as we'll you'll hear when we talk to uh, Peter King a little bit here in a bit, but uh, he mentioned that uh, hey, you know what a guy like Andy Dalton is, you know yeah. what that he brings. But you're not quite sure how good Jared Stidham can be. There's there's room there. There's some potential there. That uh, that's it. It was just an intriguing move, I think. And, and the way they've talked about it was it makes it a little more interesting too. Yeah, no doubt. And you know, Peter King also said that he's guessing that when Sean Payton watches Jared Stidham play really well against the Niners, he thinks I can get him to play that well all the time. All the time, yeah, exactly. And so I do like a little the, Bill Walsh. Exactly. I like the idea of instead of just settling for a guy that you know is is a solid number two, but he's not going to be more than that. I I like kind of getting a high upside guy. 
And listen, yeah. obviously the, the goal here is for Russell Wilson to play well and to rebound and, yeah. and be the guy. But uh, Phil, I, I always, whenever we talk about backup quarterbacks, I just, it's easy to go back to 2015, right? Yeah. And if the Broncos did not get, you know, I, I don't want to say like tremendous play, but good enough play. They got solid play. If you didn't get solid play from Brock Osweiler, the Broncos probably don't win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, I mean, Brock played well enough where there was some talk, a lot of talk, hey, should Peyton come yeah. back in and be the guy or should we just stick with Brock? I mean, those discussions were being had. Yeah, and, um, you know, home field obviously was critical. He was yeah. able to help the Broncos get to that. So you never know. You yeah. know, uh, one play could yes. be could mean that Russ has to miss some time. Yep. And you can't have a season get thrown away because of that. And, you know, I, I'm i a big Brad Rippon guy, Phil. You know that. He's a really nice guy. He got himself some tubs. But, like, just the fact that Russell misses that game against the Jets – in the middle of the year and you you have to rely on brett to go play you lose that football game and now all of a sudden instead of being gosh what they i think they would have been like three and four somewhere around there, yeah you're i think you're stuck at two wins right or, or something like that i mean i'm yeah. not quite sure what the record was at that point but the backup quarterback is important because any game can end up being critical yeah and when you're in the division with uh, the super bowl champion you got to win the ones you got to win. You got, yeah, you have to win like the ones that are gettable. Yeah. And you, you know, the, the Jets are playing really well at that time, but uh, yes. I mean, they, I think they went to Buffalo the next week and beat the Bills. I mean, Zach Wilson was terrible, right? He was not great. The Broncos should have won that football game. Yeah. And I believe if Russell Wilson was healthy, they would have won that football game. But hard to. Their running back got hurt in there. Yeah. So. Um, but listen, you know, if the Broncos end up being in the wild card chase, for example, yeah, you, you got and you, you know, Russ misses a couple games at some point. Yeah, the difference between making the playoffs and not could be could do you be have that. a valuable backup that can beat? Uh, I don't know who's a team that the Bronco that the Broncos play this year, like the the Texans in Week yeah. Eleven. You know, yeah. like the, you have to be able to have a guy that can do that. And yeah. so I like the idea. Sean's going to work with this guy. He's going to get him going and. Uh, I don't really know what to expect because yeah. he hasn't played much. But I would guess that uh, we'll learn a lot more about that in the preseason. Yes. And, uh, you know, I, again, I trust in listening to, I think, uh, who was it that we talked to the other day? Albert Breer here. You talked uh -huh. to him. Sorry, Phil. We no, talk we talked to him. Talk to, we talked talk to, to him. him. He said we that Sean, Sean Payton trusts himself to get – like skilled yeah. players ready and build yes. the offensive line. I think it's probably the same way with quarterbacks. He trusts himself yeah. to get a quarterback to the point where he's capable of winning football games. Uh, so I, 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 I'm interested to see how he works with Stidham. I was going to ask you that. Uh, what do you think? Uh, Albert Breer, we talked to him. Uh, you can find that interview on YouTube, Broncos uh, YouTube. Probably just a couple away from this video, just a couple squares away. Probably, over. just a few um, squares away. But he said something interesting. He said, look, it, when you look at the Saints, the the areas they invested in there financially, it was, a, it was a big guys up front on both sides of the line. And one of the reasons they did that was Sean feels like, hey, other areas we can get right with strong coaching, developing, that kind of thing. But up front, we need to pay the guys who are really talented there. And just uh, have that ability. So uh, that was sort of interesting. And he thought that maybe that's why the Broncos were getting some calls on Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. We learned this week that uh, they are not going anywhere. Right. Uh, but he thought maybe 
that's why they were getting some calls there was because they know Sean can trust himself to get skilled guys going. Yeah, and listen, like if you look at the Broncos receiving core right now, that the, we're excited to see them hopefully fully healthy together. Knock on some wood here. Knock Phil. on the wood. I just knock on my Jerry, head. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, and Tim Patrick have played 11 games together. Yeah, in their careers crazy. since Jerry Judy was drafted in 2020. If you had KJ Hamler, like the big four that was supposed to be great, they played one football game together. Yeah, it's insane. One. Yeah. The one. That is. Yeah. That's hard for That's me hard. to fathom. Yeah. Um, you fathom but, it. But like. Corlin Sutton was a second-round pick. Tim Patrick, undrafted guy, undrafted, right? Undrafted, yeah. I mean, obviously they spent a, a, the 15th overall pick on Jerry Judy, and that was a, a high investment, but you can get a 1,000-yard receiver or a guy who catches seven or eight touchdowns. You don't have to spend a first-round pick. I do think there's – Marquise Colson was a seventh-round yeah, pick. Yeah, I mean, there, you can find guys. And, yep. uh, listen, obviously there's, there's players that maybe they go out and acquire every now and then that uh, – are worth that draft capital, but I kind of think you can't teach size, right? Yeah. You can't teach these these you, athletic you ability that some of these linemen have, and everything you don't build McGlinchy. right? And so everything stems off that. If you don't have a good offensive line, it doesn't matter how good your receivers are if you don't have time yeah. to throw. Yeah, it doesn't matter how good your running back is if you don't have anywhere to run the football. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, you need like I think the Colts from a couple of years ago, Phil, are a good example of a team that built their line really well. Didn't have Quinn the Nelson. they didn't have the um, the skill positions yeah. in place, but also they didn't have Sean Payton, and so that's where exactly. like if you're gonna put all your resources there, or a lot of your resources there, you need to have somebody to help elevate the other spots, and Sean Payton should be able to do that. So yeah, I uh, listen. Sean Payton is betting on himself in some of these situations of, I'm going to be able to figure this out. I trust our system. I trust my coaching staff. Yeah, uh, I've said again and again, Phil, I think just as much as Sean being a, a, a boost up from last year, these assistant coaches across the roster, you veteran know, with, staff, with very few ex- with very few exceptions, are more experienced than last year. Yeah, um, and so you hope that leads to more development, like a, a kind of tangent tangentially here like a jamar kane who's worked with nick benito before yeah vance joseph um you know having joe vitt like yeah. all these guys hey they're Senior gonna know guys. how to help nick benito get going and improve from last season so yeah. th- that that stuff is all part of it yeah i mean davis webb is like the young guy that everybody points out but that's just that's a sort of a different deal yeah i mean he's gonna that's be there kind of watching film with russ i imagine yeah exactly Some coaching tips but yeah. kind of just the the day-to-day where sean is going to be yeah sean's running the offense right? yeah exactly so you want he i think he said uh, it's nice to have some younger guys in, in the mix yeah. here and there but yeah you're right i mean across the staff you're talking about guys who spent a lot of time in the nfl i mean this is not uh, meant to be disrespectful to anybody but like last year when i'm, I'm writing these coaching stories about the staff there are some guys that i'm like i don't I can't get three sentences for a, for a you know what have they done? Correct. And this year it's like, well, how do I how, how do I, I pare, jam it in? Yeah, how do I uh, pare down what these Too guys have lines. done? Because there's there's just a lot more experience at every level. Even the the quality control coaches have done more. Have had they, these extensive. They've been head coach. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's good staff. Yeah, good staff coming together, and you hope that that has an effect all across the roster. So. Yeah. 
Uh, Eric, anything else we learned on the football side this week? I think the other, the only other thing that stood stood out to me was uh, I thought we got positive news about Javante Williams when we were in Indianapolis. At the combine, um, thought he was on track. I don't know if something changed or if the wording's just a little bit different here, but. George Payton was a little bit less. Um, Pulled it back a touch. Yeah, he's just saying, hey, Javante, he's doing well, but he's just got a long way to go. We don't know, you know, if he's yeah. going to be ready. Um, they do trust in some AJP Ryan. I would still, in my mind, and, and listen, they signed Tony Jones yep. um, for depth there. I still think they go out and get a yeah, running back. It wouldn't surprise me if they add another running back, but that's just going to be a position to watch of – with Javante, how how quickly can he come back? Yep. And also, how quickly do you do you push him back? Because, you know, he's a great football player. He's still a young guy. You don't want to put him out there too soon where he can't be effective. Uh, yes. You know, and, and suffer some sort of setback. So I would imagine there would be a somewhat cautious approach with him. But that's yep. just something as we move forward uh, that I'm I'm watching You're watching closely yeah no that makes sense I, I do think that you know we talked to george payton a little bit about the draft you know and uh he said that hey uh you approach it like you still have a first round pick you still do all the homework there but they're focusing on the third round and uh he thinks that the way this thing's stacking up that they'll be able to find uh some guys who can contribute as rookies and uh he didn't say this but i imagine that uh a running back is part of the mix here yeah, or you know, you bring in an undrafted guy. Who knows how it happens? But there, there will be, I would assume, more competition at that position. Yeah, you got to add some. And uh, you know, he just talked about you've you've got to hit on those picks. Yeah, he, that's the other thing he said. You, you can't gotta hit. miss. And there are some yeah. years where you have the luxury if you have ten picks, where yeah. hey, let's go fifty percent, sixty percent here. No, the Broncos need hit. to hit on, especially the yep. two thirds and the fourth. Yeah, you got to go. Yeah, you got to go. have some contributors. So. All right. Well, that's what we learned uh, here this week on the football side of things. We'll talk about the business side in just a minute. We'll talk about maybe some of the rule changes that are coming up as well in just a second here. But first, let's get to our interview with NBC Sports' Peter King. Peter, always great to catch up with you. Uh, thanks for taking some time to talk uh, Broncos. Big thing this offseason, obviously bringing in Sean Payton, looking to get things turned around a little bit. Uh, you know, he said last year a lot of guys had dirt on their face uh, for a five-win season. How do you think he'll go about doing this? Well, I think one of the things that he will do is he, because he's obviously a, a disciple of Bill Parcells. Parcells used to have this saying that all I can do is just go by what I see. So he will go to training camp. He'll go to mini camp. And he will have probably a few preconceived notions, but not overwhelming ones. And when I say, and I've seen this time and again, I saw it time and again in New Orleans, he will play the best guys. And so the one, the one other thing that I think people will enjoy about Sean Payton the Denver Broncos fan base will be a better educated fan base about football. And by that, I mean, Sean is one of these guys who really enjoys explaining why something happened. And I always felt, I think the coach that I've covered in 39 years covering the NFL, the coach that I've really learned the most from about football is Sean Payton. 
And, you know, I've been in a few sort of behind the scenes situations with him and Drew Brees. And I just think he wants people to understand the game because we all watch the game. It's a very complicated game. And we all watch the game and we say, geez, why did that happen? Why did this happen? Obviously, he's not going to give away state secrets. But I think people will understand the whys of football a lot better listening to Sean Payton every week. So I, when he got that job, I said, I said, you know, the people of Denver are lucky not only because they got the best guy to try to resuscitate Russell Wilson, but because I think he's going to really make it fun and educational at the same time. You bring, you bring up Russell Wilson there. Uh, he kind of stumped to bring in Sean yeah. Payton. Uh, how do you think that that pairing is going to work? I think Russell Wilson needed somebody to come in and say, look, I'm the coach, you're the player. And, you know, you need to be coached. And Russell Wilson enjoys being coached. And I think quarterbacks who play for Sean Payton are going to get coached. They're going to get coached hard. Now, Payton will also trust his quarterback. He always has. Now, it helps when you have Drew Brees. But he, so, so Russell Wilson will, I think, will enjoy this, but it'll be a totally different atmosphere than it was with Nathaniel Hackett because you knew right from the start that the Hackett-Wilson relationship was more probably of a partnership than it is going to be now. And uh, certainly more that more of a partnership than it will be now. But I don't think that's a bad thing. I think the best thing for Russell Wilson is that this just gets absolutely stripped down to it's all football. It's not about any of the other stuff. And I think that'll be good for Russell Wilson. The Broncos uh, in free agency brought in a backup quarterback with Jared Stidham. Uh, I know that you wrote that uh, that was your most fascinating move of free agency. Uh, Why did you uh, think that? So Jared Stidham, I would say uh, a year ago at this time, was out of favor in New England may not have even made the team with the Patriots, probably wouldn't have made the team with the Patriots. And so uh, Josh McDaniels traded for him. Now, Jarrett Stidham, honestly, the only coach he's really ever had in the NFL was Josh McDaniels. And so when things really fell apart with the Raiders and Derek Carr disappeared the last two weeks after getting demoted, Uh, you hand the starting job to a guy who has never started a game in the NFL and you're asking him, your first assignment is to play the best defense in football, the San Francisco 49ers, and to do it when the 49ers have a lot to play for and your team has nothing to play for as far as the postseason. So he goes out, he throws for 365 yards, three touchdowns. He had the best game all year of any quarterback, you know, in the regular season against the 49ers. So Bill Walsh once had a statement. uh, As a matter of fact, I heard him say it. 
if I've seen a guy do something once or twice or three times, I should be able to coach him to do it all the time. I'm sure that's what Sean Payton thought when he saw Jared Stidham. And add this to the fact, what do you want to do? Do you, I mean, like if you're, if you're the Broncos, do you want to bring in Andy Dalton and pay him $7 million a year? Or do you want to bring in Jarrett Stidham and play him, pay him $5 million a year? We don't know whether Jarrett Stidham is going to be good, but we know what Andy Dalton is. He's a fine, okay backup. But I think Sean Payton shot for the moon a little bit and basically said, I trust myself to be able to coach this guy up and he's going to be good. And I think it was just, I, I was shocked because I know the Raiders really wanted to keep him and uh, tried to keep him. And he thought that there was going to be a better opportunity. And with all credit to, uh, to Stidham, this wasn't in any way sort of a disloyal act in spurning McDaniels. It was simply about opportunity because he was pretty sure that whether they signed Jimmy Garoppolo or drafted somebody very high, they were going to bring in another quarterback who had a better chance to start and be the guy over him. And so why not go to a place that who knows what is going to happen with Russell Wilson, but he's going to be there as the safety net in case it collapses again, you know? Sean Payton said it was a priority to get him. So uh, the Broncos uh, got their backup quarterback there. Uh, Peter, since we last talked, there's been an ownership change with the Broncos. Uh, the Walton Penner family group coming in. Uh, how have you seen them come in and uh, where do you think they are taking this Broncos organization? I guess I look at it and say that in today's football, you want smart people who have the resources to build a good team and yet know what they don't know. Okay. And everyone who talks to, uh, you know, the ownership group and talks about the ownership group from some bit of knowledge says that that's what they're going to do. They're not going to be the kind of owner who says, I was tremendously great in another business, and so I'm going to run this like a business and blah, blah, blah. They are going to study this. Um, you know, a couple of times I've talked to Peyton about uh, the owners and, you know, we're not on the record. We're not, we're just talking. I can tell you that he's really, really happy with this ownership group. And he really worshiped Tom Benson and Gail Benson. He loved working for them because honestly, they basically for the most part left him alone. And left he and Mickey Loomis to do this thing. And I think it's going to be a little bit different. There will be a check and a balance with Greg Penner. But I think that he's not ever going to do anything that is uh, precipitous or, or, or really, really knee-jerk. So uh, I think the relationship with them will be pretty good. The last one for you here, Peter. Uh, last year, Mike Shanahan, Broncos former head coach, Got pretty close to getting into the Hall of Fame a little bit there. Just wondering uh, your thoughts on his legacy. You know, the the offense that he ran is uh, all across the NFL now. And uh, just what his chances uh, this time around. Mike deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I think all the voters with the Hall know that. And look, the way it works in the Hall of Fame committee is that many times some candidates stand on the shoulders of others. And right now, 
essentially you cannot have Bill Cower in the Hall of Fame without having Mike Shanahan in the Hall of Fame. Period. It's not it's not arguable. So there are several coaches who are going to uh, who whose whose fortunes really changed a lot then. You know, coaches like Tom Coughlin and Mike Shanahan, where if there was ever any question about it, there isn't now. Those guys are getting in the Hall of Fame. As far as what year it happens, I don't know. Uh, I But they Mike's going to get in the Hall of Fame. What do you think about his legacy, though, the contributions he made to the game? I mean, it's unquestioned. The great thing about Mike is that he left his footprints in the sands of the NFL. And if you are just to look at the way the game is played now and look at how, for instance, Kyle Shanahan to this day wants his father's input on things. And usually, and Kyle is a very self-assured guy. Um, but, but honestly, he's, he's, he's pragmatic enough and realistic enough to understand that Mike has been at the center of so many innovations and so many smart things in coaching. And so I, I think he's, uh, you know, his legacy is above reproach and, you know, he's one of the great offensive minds in the game. Peter, thank you so much for your time. Any good beers around here you're going to check out? I had a great, uh, shoot, is it uh, Four Peaks? I forget. Some Four Peaks thing. I'm, I'm into wheat beer these days. So, uh, yeah, I was at a ball game the other day and had two of those. And if I wasn't driving, I would have had four. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, the beer out here is pretty good. I know you like baseball, so I'll let you get to it, Peter. Thank you so much for your time. Okay, Phil, my pleasure. All right, my thanks to NBC Sports is Peter King. Always good to catch up with him. He uh, he said that he's been catching a lot of baseball games while he's out here. Of course, spring training is uh, still going on 15 minutes down the road from here, so why not? And uh, he said he's been drinking some beers, yeah. some babies. We like that. We, we do like that. We appreciate that. So a couple of takeaways. I thought Eric, uh, first he was like, he's not learned uh, any more football from anyone else other than Sean Payton. Yeah. And I, That's a way to say that word, that, that that sentence. He's learned the most football from Sean Payton. Yeah, and it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. I wonder if that's more of because I haven't seen that yet necessarily. Yeah, um, we're still at the point where I think the questions to Sean are very like some of them are are they're overarching, but a lot of them are about individual players. Um, I think when you get to the season and you're like, hey, how did this play work? Yeah. Or, you know, why why do this? That might be a time when yeah. when fans really start to get to see kind of that, that football knowledge on display. Yeah. No, I thought that that was interesting. Uh, talked about him working with Russell Wilson, obviously, a little bit there. And then uh, also uh, touched on Mike Shanahan a little bit. Uh, he was a, a topic of conversation down here, Eric. Yeah, so I mean, I think it's clear that everybody believes, at least that we, you know, we talked to Adam Schefter, who worked closely with Mike Shanahan yep. in Denver for a long time before he moved to ESPN. Um, Albert Breer. Yep. Peter King. Uh, even Greg Penner, you know. Brought him it's up. It's clear that people believe that Mike Shanahan is, is a Hall of Fame worthy coach 
for a number of reasons. The back-to-back Super Bowls, the way you see his offense kind of having spread across the league. I mean, gosh, it's got to be more than half a dozen teams, um, probably nearly 10 teams that run that offense. Um, The Broncos, of course, owe all three of their Super Bowls to that style of offense. Yes. Um, But then, to me, Phil, it's just about the timing, right? And the way the Hall of Fame is currently set up is only one coach slash contributor can go in this year. Uh, We obviously hope it's Mike Shanahan. I think he's deserving. Um, But we'll just have to see. I I don't think there's a question of, is he a Hall of Famer? It's just, when does he become a Hall of Famer? Yeah. And uh, uh, Greg Penner also said that Mike Shanahan served as an advisor during the coaching search. Uh, That's interesting. Interesting that he picked another Eastern Illinois guy. Mm. You know what I mean? That's just sort uh, of, you think like, something hey. happened there, huh? Yeah, I mean, like if somebody was like, "Who, who should they hire?" I'd say, "Hey, a buff would have been nice." Yeah, you, you would have liked a cat, cats guy, a cats guy. The coaching staff yeah. has three cats guys. It's a lot. It's a lot of guys. A lot of That's lot a of cats. Lot of cats. Maybe wow. you do like a cat's corner or something <laughs> with them, huh? Cat's cradle. Yeah, cat's cradle. Yeah, yeah that could be nice. Um, but yeah, Mike Shanahan is a Hall of Famer. I mean, uh, just the way that he evolved and and the way that he's still involved evolving you know he helps out uh, Kyle Shanahan there with the 49ers I mean he really is a a football offensive genius yeah a savant a savant yeah you you know and he's exactly I'm a savant of uh, words yes you you are the way I put them together Uh, you know you know in terms of him helping with the coaching surge I think that again shows that Greg Penner is going to solicit input from oh, yeah. from a lot of places um why wouldn't you want the winningest head coach in franchise history who you know knows how to win football games and knows what it takes to build a culture uh that you know quite frankly needed a reset when he got here yeah uh you know three decades ago or whatever it was i think you rely on the people you know are really smart yeah hey mike shannon is a smart guy he knows what it takes you know, just use the resources around you. And, I mean, Mike Shanahan still lives in Denver. Uh, why not just say, hey, you want to stop by the facility? I got some questions to ask you. What do you think about this? You stop by the facility sense. or you just, like, go to Shanahan's maybe? Oh, maybe you go get a steak. Huh? That could be nice. You do some steak. It's like you want to meet at my restaurant? That's a nice power that's, plate. That's, that's a power plate. Huh? Smart. That is nice. Yeah, maybe, that, maybe that's how they did it. I just think it's easy for, you know, obviously the Walton Penners have been very – uh, successful in business, it'd be easy for them to say, hey, I know what I'm doing. And I, yeah. I think that Greg consistently shows kind of that humility and understanding of what he doesn't know from a football standpoint and, uh, you know, it puts the ego aside and says, I'm going to go talk to Mike yeah. Shanahan and see what, what he thinks. There's owners uh, across the league, Phil, that would not do that. Yeah. And then would just say, it's my team. I, I'm going to do my I'll thing. I'll do whatever I want. Yeah. But I, in general, I sort of feel like smart people, like in all walks of life, they're always learning. Yeah. You know, that's but sort I, of a... But yeah, I, say I, it. I, no, I just I, like some owners don't do that though. They, some owners gotta, don't do that. Yeah, and I think do uh, you've got to be intelligent, but you've also got to um, lack that that ego, and you've yeah. got to you've got to be humble enough to admit what you don't know. And everything we've heard about Greg Penner is that he does that. Yeah, and so exactly. that's why, like, if you're a fan and you're hearing, "Hey, they replaced the turf just because yeah. it it it's not safe enough, or it doesn't yeah. look like it's going to be good for playing," or even if it was just one game, yeah, yeah one, one game. 
nearly half a million dollars, right, reportedly. Yeah. Uh, stadium research, which yep. we'll get into in a second. Um, talking to Mike Shanahan, I mean, how could you look at this last year and not be like, I'm really encouraged by yeah how much they want to win yeah most definitely uh let's get into some of the things uh on the business side a little bit here of course uh last week it was reported that uh, they send out these uh stadium market research surveys uh asking uh, fans you know what they want in a game day experience that kind of thing this surveys was just the next step in that process yep. uh eric and uh, we heard from damani leach uh he said look i like to hear what the fans have to say it's a uh, this is information gathering and that kind of gets back to the point we were talking about there with Greg Penner. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think Damani Leach uh, said more than 7,000 surveys have been sent back already. They don't know the results yet. I yep. think he, be I believe he said late April, early May to when they'll get those. Uh, we found out that Damani, uh, Greg Penner, Kerry, Walton Penner, Rob Walton all kind of took part in some tours of other stadiums, other NFL stadiums, uh, some soccer stadiums, football, if you will. Football. In, uh, in London. Uh, Climate Pledge Arena there in Seattle. They're doing all this different research, one, on how can we possibly improve in Power Field a mile high, two, yes. what would a new stadium look like if we did that? Um, and they're gathering information. They've still got nine years left on the lease. They're still in the early stages. There's still yeah. been no decision. But, Phil, it's great to see at this early stage in the process that they're taking the time to, to do this research, to get as much information as possible. I think with the surveys in particular, I liked what Damani said when he, he said, oh, we don't want to be in an echo chamber where we yep. just sit in a conference room at UCL Training yep. Center. And, you know, we think this is such a great idea. And, OK, well, we missed a blind spot where fans, they hate this they don't about like this. this. Yeah. Um, and so there was some pushback for whatever reason about just the idea of doing a survey and like, oh, the Broncos shouldn't be asking, like shouldn't be basing their decisions off fans. Like they should show leadership and make a decision. No. Well, it doesn't mean that they're going to like take a vote, right? No, they're, but they're just gathering information. They're gathering information and they're making an informed decision. And there might be things that come back from the survey that they say, hey, this is great. We didn't think of this. Yes. We got to make sure that this is a priority. Or they might get things back and they say, well, I respect the opinion here, but it's not realistic for this to happen. And we're yep. going to go in a different direction. But um, at least they have the knowledge. Yeah, they have the knowledge. They have the information. They have the statistics. And it's it's kind of refreshing how you know open they've been about this. Yes. Just in terms of, hey, we are we are touring new stadiums. Yep. A new stadium is a possibility. It is. It's possible. We'll just stay at Empower Field and, and yep. uh, renovate it and make it, uh, you know, closer to a world class stadium they're already doing that with a hundred million dollars worth of renovations this year um some teams operate kind of in the dark you wouldn't find out until you know it's announced or, or you they're close to or the yeah. the funding is being requested or whatever so I, I think if you're a fan one your opinion is being solicited which is good but also you're being kept in the loop in terms of what's going yeah. on and that's a really good sign during the ownership transition i mean the stadium came up a lot during yeah. that time you know this is something that fans are passionate about i think uh, in the nfl they're always constantly trying to upgrade every area that's like what makes the nfl so oh my goodness wow a bird they're right making by our music. Face. you got the music rights to music that music rights to the birds yeah um Wow. I, I was You're rattled. Say, but I was going to say, the NFL is always trying to get better in every area. And one of those areas that they are constantly focusing on is the fan experience on game day. 
and you see these um, spaceships type stadiums popping up all, all across the league. And, you know, if you're in Denver, you're like, oh, hey, uh, is a new ownership group going to try and do something like that here? It's sort of a natural uh, thought process, I think. Just, hey, what's going on with our stadium? What do you, you know, what uh, do do they want to make some changes there? Are they going to build a new one? Where's the location of it going to be? Is it going to have a roof on it? I mean, these are just things that fans constantly think about. And, uh, you know, those are some of the questions that uh, the ownership group had uh, this week. Uh, they were asked that. Right. And, you know, Phil, what, the stadium opened in late 90s, early 2000s? Early 2000s, And yeah. so you're coming up here where by the end of the lease, the stadium will be about 30 years old. Yeah. And so that's just for, you know, good or bad, whatever you want to say, that kind that's, of looks like the lifespan of some of these stadiums. I think recently. especially because of these other, these new ones, they look so crazy. Yeah. And they have so many things, so many features. Mm -hmm. uh, you talk like, hey, can we host different kinds of events here? I mean, uh, in Powerfield, I'm high. I already host a lot of concerts. Taylor Swift, it. right? They do the T-Swifty You'll be at in. that. I don't think I could pull those. You can't kind of afford strings. that. I can't yeah. do that. Yeah, but um, I mean, I you, you go to like SoFi or Allegiant where the Raiders play, um, and you've got like these fieldside cabanas, yeah. or like there's an end Dallas, zone yeah, where man. you like people are partying as you're playing exactly. football. I mean, it's it's all about what does this fan base want and what exactly. do they want because the you know I, I think it was Greg and Damani both said we didn't go to a single stadium where we were like this is perfect. Exactly. There's always... And, uh, you know, it almost sounds like there's no way to make a perfect stadium. You, you're yep. always going to have trade-offs. Yep. You know, is it parking? Is it where the location is? Is it, um, hey, can we can we do a roof or not? Is yep. it, um, you know, club seating? Is it making sure that people are close to the field? Is it locker rooms? Is it big enough so that you can drive your, you know, I know people may not be familiar with this. Some stadiums, Phil, we take the bus to a road game. You can drive down there in right SoFi. The you can turn around. You can, like, have 18 buses down there. They're huge, huge some Huge some stadiums properties. we go to, like uh, the Titan Stadium, for example, which is being Nissan Stadium, which is uh, kind of on the list of stadiums that are being replaced. You park outside the stadium and you got to walk, walk in. in. Yeah, and so th those are just kind of some of the things that. And go what's in. surrounding it? Are there restaurants? Are there apartments? Yeah, of are course. there all kinds of? Is it like a place that's a destination, even if there isn't a football game going on? You right. know, all kinds of different things that. I think that it makes sense to be like, hey, what does this fan base care about? Right. And what's, you know, what is what makes it a Denver stadium yeah. and not uh, SoFi or not uh, the Bills new stadium or the Titans new stadium? Yeah. What makes it unique to this place? What do we need to make it worth it? Um, you know, I'm excited to see what happens. I don't know when that's going to be, if they're going to come to a decision in one year, if it's going to be five years from now, if uh, if it'll be longer. I mean, who, who knows about the timeline here? But I think them starting this early shows that they're not just going to, it's not going to be a, it's not going to sneak up on it's them. Not gonna up like, on yeah. them. It's not going to be kind of like a, a last minute deal where they're like, Oh, Oh, we should probably figure out what we do with the stadium. Huh? Yeah, exactly, exactly. They're working to, to figure this Get out. And I, I think that's a really good sign. Uh, Eric, just in your personal opinion, uh -oh. do you think like the Denver Broncos should have a roof? You know, it's a, it's sort of an interesting thing. And I know the bills, they were just a, you know, kind of a, thinking about this uh, particular thing just because when you think about the Broncos, a late, you know, December game, it's a big football game. It's cold. You see the breath coming out. Maybe it's, there's a few flurries in there. You know, there's something that's kind of uh, inherently Broncos about that. 
if you ask me. But then on the flip side of that, some of these domes are really cool, you know, and they got these clear. <laughs> like one's Broncos, one's clear, cool. They got the clear uh, roof and you it's got the, a lot of natural light. You're able to host a lot of different events, a Final Four. Maybe you can host a draft or something in there. Uh, you know, Fun, you can do yeah. concerts Super all year Bowl. round. Super Bowl. You know, I I think that there's a lot to weigh there. Yeah, you know, you know, I personally don't have a huge feeling one way or another. I do see both sides yeah. of the argument. Um, it would be cool to host a Vinyl Four or a Super Bowl, but I mean, it's happening what once every ten years, probably. Yeah, that's sort I mean, of the. It's not like a thing that's going to be consistently happening. Um, you know, you talk about the the elements. That's that's great. That's fun. There are people last week that were talking about, hey, if if you're playing in a dome in that playoff game in 2012 against the Ravens, yeah, the Broncos maybe win that football game. Mm. And so there are trade-offs here where, you know, it can cold weather can sometimes bring teams closer together. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. Yeah. I mean, that that overtime win in 2015, right over the Patriots in the snow. If there's no snow there, it's iconic. if it's not as iconic, right? If, yeah. if it's not snowing. And so yeah. I, I do, I do like that. Maybe a retractable situation. Oh, that's kind of the best you of both worlds. But, but that's that becomes pricier, right? And so you got to make decisions here. Um, I'm glad I'm not the one it's in that decision. seat. But yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things to consider here, right? Is it is it dome? That's a that's a big one. Where's the stadium going to be located? Okay. That's obviously going to be a big thing. Yeah. Um, so a lot of a lot of things to decide here. But, yeah. Uh, I'll be interested to see what happens. If they keep in power field and they do renovations, great. Yeah. If they do a new stadium, it's probably going to look freaking awesome. And so yeah. that'll be cool, too. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the rate, uh, stadium renovations uh, that are currently going on, $100 million, right, yep. Eric? Uh, on track. On track, on budget. It's always which, like good Good to be on budget with $100 million. I was like, uh, in the construction world, that's sort of unheard of, right? Hey, it's going to take uh, another month, actually. Yeah. Sorry. It's going to be a little bit more they expensive. they got a hard deadline, right? You know, um, Hey, uh, we got to do all the new electrical, right? You know, that happens sometimes. Yeah. Hey, this this beam you wanted to... The shiplap didn't come in yeah, on time. You, exactly. You want to take this wall down? Well, we got to put a beam in the wall, yeah. in the ceiling. What about what a new, new stadium with hey, a shiplap everywhere? Shiplap everywhere. Hey, the foundation, there's some problems that we didn't know about. Yeah. You know, like the football are, team. <laughs> oh, geez. The Sean Payton's building the foundation. Sean Payton is taking care of that problem. Sean's like, yeah. don't worry. I got the foundation. I got, the foundation. <laughs> I got yeah. it taken care of. That's nice. Yeah. Um, Eric, anything else you want to touch on on the business side? Um, well, uniforms, obviously, are oh, a, yeah. big, a big deal. Um, no updates there, yeah, really. We, we didn't hear anything. Um, which people kind of understand that uniforms take a long time. There are certain rules in terms of when you can roll them out. Uh, maybe the one update was that Damani Leach was asked about the possibility of wearing an alternate helmet in 2023. Yes. Um, people kind of tweeted at me. They said, well, we wear an alternate helmet for, uh, for color rush anyway, right? Like with the D the, the yeah. difference is, is you cannot change the, the color, base, the color base of the color of the helmet. And so that blue is still the same yeah. blue that the Broncos wear, Always wear. every week. Swap the logo. And so it's a little bit different. And so under a new rule, the Broncos could, uh, have a helmet that is a different color. Damani Leach, uh, no real answer, but he said it's possible. You know, yes. kind of said they were looking into the possibility of it. So well, that's something yeah. to monitor there. Obviously, uh, people are very passionate about the uniforms. Um, they want something to happen. 
obviously they're still looking into it, but it just it takes time. Yes. Yeah. They got to figure all, some of that stuff out. Yeah. That's another thing that fans are very passionate about. Yeah. Uniform stadium. Yep. And then we're like, okay, well, what about this third round tender? Exactly. They don't care That's about what that. we care about. Yeah. 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 Advanced. I'm like, I asked, I was like, could we do this whole podcast about like what Tony Jones Jr. could bring to yeah, exactly. the team? And you were like, no, you were like, Russell I Wilson only. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else, Eric? I don't think so. I think those yeah. were kind of the main uh, things. Though, again, I mentioned it earlier, but uh, Greg Penner said success this year is not 10 wins. Yeah. It's not eight wins, not 12 wins. There was no real. Uh, yeah, like hard number on it. It was: Are we doing things the right way? Do we have the right culture? Do we have the right process? Yeah. And that might not be what people want to hear. They might want to hear, "Hey, make the playoffs, or this season's a failure." Yeah. But I think in terms of getting this organization back to being a little bit more stable in terms of the football play, um, that's important to develop yeah. those habits. And listen, Sean Payton told that story when he got here of. He got to New Orleans and they did, they lost a preseason game really badly. And he yeah. called Mickey Loomis and he said, "We're not going to win a single football game this year." Yeah. And then they won ten games and went to the NFC Championship. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens. They want to win. Yes, they want of course to win. That's a focus. So. Yeah, that doesn't mean that they're not wanting to win or, exactly. or expect to win. But you know, externally there were so many claims made last year, right? Of we got to win a Super Bowl this year. There's no hype. We're measured. They're making uh, smart decisions. Exactly. All right, Eric, let's get to our final topic here. Just a, a quick little uh, touch on the rules changes uh, that were voted on here down at the, the annual meeting. Players can now wear number zero, Eric. That's right, Phil. Yeah, just a, a few. Guy. Yeah, I don't know. Deion Sanders said to wear one to nine. Got to be that guy. I don't know. If zero, zero, are you not that guy? Are you that guy? Hard to tell, but everybody except linemen can wear this now. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see who uh, who wears it. There, of course, it's kind of like a, a weird deal where if you have a number assigned already and you want to change, that you got to kind of pay out all the jerseys that have been printed already. Yeah, exactly. So you got to give them some notice. So it's possible yeah. there's not a zero this year, maybe next year. Yeah, for the Broncos. Um, I don't know. Maybe Sean Payton. Maybe Sean Payton doesn't want anybody no to be zeros. zeros. Yeah, could could be. Could be interesting to watch. So that's kind of a, a fun one, if you will. Probably the bigger one is that teams can now play, Phil, two Thursday night football games on a short week in the same season. So I don't think the players will like that. I don't think the players will like that, but uh, they're trying to make these Thursday night football games better. Yes. And Fa good for fans. They currently cannot flex them. They're going to revisit that in uh, May. Mm -hmm. So I would, I would think that that means it does not impact this year's schedule. Um, but to be clear, like the Cowboys, obviously they always play a Thanksgiving game, but then they play in the, if they play a Thursday game the next week, that doesn't count as a short week game because there's obviously a whole, a whole week, week in between there. So, yeah. um, teams could, I guess, theoretically play three Thursday games, yeah. but two of them could be, right, be on a short week. Yeah. yeah. So, um, it'll be interesting to watch there. I think it also means that teams are not guaranteed a a primetime game previously. Um, I believe teams were guaranteed at least one. Yeah. Um, and so you'd see the teams that were struggling kind of be on Thursday night Always. football, but Phil, you've got to, you've got to choose carefully here, right? Because obviously the Broncos last year had a lot of primetime games. Yeah. I don't think the league would have expected things to go the way they did. Um, but if you put a team in primetime and Thursday night in week 16, 
got to hope they're good, I guess. Yes, exactly. I mean, I think sort of a, what caused a little bit of a stir was all the way back with that Broncos and Colts game. Yeah. And Al Michaels was, uh, you know, saying things on the air that fans left before overtime started. I mean, that sort of really got the ball rolling on, hey, what's going on with these Thursday night games? Of course, they were streamed on Amazon last year, and that's a big deal for the league, I believe, is uh, getting streaming going. Uh, obviously, the new Sunday uh Sunday ticket, ticket. Uh, is with YouTube TV. So there's a priority to make the product always good for the fans. And, hey, Thursday Night Football is the only game on TV. You know, it's uh, I think people have adopted the idea that there's games on Thursday night now. It's part of a normal weekly schedule. And uh, you want to see a good game there. So yeah, it and makes sense to me. And Goodell said that basically the data they have suggests that there are no higher injury risks playing on Thursday. Obviously, guys don't love it as players. Um, they like the ten days. They like afterward. the ten days afterward. Uh, and listen, I you know just as a fan, you get Monday Night Football. By the time we get to Thursday, I'm like I'm ready for another game. Yeah. And so if that game is between two contenders, yeah, I'm excited about it. If, if it's between two teams that are not in it, I'm yep. kind of like, oh, that's a waste of Thursday Night Football. So, yep. um, and also you know I, I'm sure I believe Alan Kirk are back to I call so, yeah. Thursday Night Football again. Al's, Al Michaels is a legendary broadcaster, your personal hero. He, you want him calling a good football game. Exactly. You want him calling Chiefs, uh, Bengals, or whatever. Yeah, so exactly. uh, it'll be interesting to see how they prioritize those. For a while there, Phil, Thursday night games were like very division-heavy. Yeah, exactly. And then it seems like in recent years, like maybe not as much. So um, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens. The, uh, the last thing, Phil, rules-wise – the last few years, we've seen roster cutdowns kind of yeah. come in tiers. So you go from 90 to 85 to 80 and then to 53. This year, we're going back to just right. 90 to 53. Um, I, I think the idea when they did that was to get, make it a little easier on teams uh, to give these guys a chance to catch on somewhere else if you were cut early instead of making you go through uh, 40 players per roster all at once in one day before trying to decide roster claims. But Ultimately, you know, you want guys to be available for preseason games. It's harder. That it's, last preseason it's game. It's hard enough when you don't bit. have, uh, you know, 10 guys that would have played a lot in those games. Yeah. And uh, so, again, and plus, if you're one of those guys, it gives you one last chance to, to make an impression like and maybe Davis. maybe make a practice squad, maybe yeah. uh, get a chance to be claimed somewhere. So uh, that's a little update there. Yeah. I, I like that, uh, that change, you know, just uh, have it a day there where – it's a clean sweep, and then across the league, teams can adjust and see who else got cut if they want to add uh, some guys there and stuff. And I like that move. Yeah, the Broncos were among the, I think, 25 teams that uh, I think presented the. I don't know if it was uh, voted for it. It was. I think that a bunch of teams presented that as an idea and, they just and kind of like jointly said, "We're doing this yeah, now." So that's a good move. That's a nice move. Uh, Eric, okay, time for shoutouts as we say goodbye here from. The beautiful, uh, the beautiful Arizona Biltmore. Yeah, no, Phil. Uh, just a sh shout out to to the leadership here for yeah. for talking. Um, you know, not every team makes the GM, the coach, the president, ownership all available. Um, and if, you know, uh, count on probably one hand teams that did that. Yep. And so the fact that the Broncos made all these people available, a large media contingent from Denver. I think nine people came down here to cover this, yeah. which is a lot more than last year Yeah, uh, in Florida helps obviously that we're close here, but um, so shout out to them. Shout out to the league for putting on a great event as always. It's beautiful down here, Phil. Yes. Um, 
always consider ourselves lucky to get to cover this. It's a great event. Uh, always uh, enjoy coming down and um, talking with the uh, Broncos leadership. So, yep. yeah, it is nice uh, to come down and do this, and we appreciate it very much. Obviously, shout-out to Nikola Jokic. Yeah, Phil. Joel Embiid ducked him this week. Yeah. There's no other way to say it. He's afraid. He's afraid. Uh, and then also shout-out to Liz Geralds. That's right. Birthday. Of course, the community. Had a, Had a nice birthday. birthday. Yeah. We got a shout-out. Got a shout-out from, from shout Arizona shout-out. Arizona shout-out, yeah. Yeah, Ben Swanson, you don't deserve one. No. No. Okay, well, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we really enjoyed our time down here. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, all of our coverage. Uh, and uh, our, also a uh, thank you to Peter King for spending some time uh, talking with us about the Broncos. So that's going to do it for us. For Eric Dallal, I am Phil Milani. You've been listening to The, the Neutral, Neutral Zone. Zone.